This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 82 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have two authors. One happens to be a pretty good equestrian, too, Monty Roberts. We've got Carly Cade, who's kind of broken onto the scene now as a new author, a young author in the equestrian world. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Hello, Debbie. How are you? There. I'm good, Coach Jen. We got some good people to listen to today. This is going to be fun. It's going to be a fun day. Uh, this, oh, my this, They're going to have some really fun takeaways today, people. Look out. I, I think so, too. You know, I, I, I met Carly Cade one of our authors today, at the Equus Film Festival in New York City. And I can't wait to tell you about her book. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's kind of a breakthrough thing. We'll, we'll learn more about her as the day goes on. But it was really fun to see this really bright, um, excited, new um, author break onto the scene. And then actually, I mean, I met her on the first day. It was Thursday night when we had this opening party in New York City. We're like right in midtown Manhattan. We're all in our cowboy boots and our hats and everything. And um, she's just giddy. She walks in just giddy. And she didn't stop being giddy the whole weekend. And then she won. She won her <laughs> She won her portion, her, um, uh, what is that called? A Like division or something. <laughs> Category? Category. That's it. I'm so not a, you know, um, awards person, but it was really fun. It was really fun. And uh, to see her so encouraged to write on. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk to her a little bit today about, you know, what's it like to be an author? What, you know, encourage some of those girls out there who are horse crazy and love reading those novels, not only to support the authors out there, but maybe become one themselves. Well, you co-wrote a book. Well, that's true. That's yeah. true. But I kind of knew the subject through and through. Not like writing a novel where you're making it all up in your head, you know? So, well, yeah, that's interesting because she's a she's a fiction author, whereas mm-hmm. you wrote a nonfiction book as well yeah. as your dad, Monty, has written a number of nonfiction books. Right. Although, well, no, even the ones that um, Shy Boy, Shy Boy's books are... He wrote those books. He wrote those books, and they're the truth, so there you go. Has your mom ever written a book? No, but she's a great writer. It was one of her things coming out of high school that she really enjoyed doing, and uh, she really has helped. Without mom in the background helping us edit and everything, we would be sunk. We really would. Uh, and and, um, and she's an avid reader, so I know she could write. It's probably that we make her work so hard on all the stuff we, <laughs> we have to get written for, you know— consumption uh-huh. out there yeah. that she's burned out she goes to her sculpture and hides in the corner but you know <laughs> you, at, the, at the beginning of our conversation here though you made a wonderful point with probably without even realizing it is um for some of us the joy is not in doing it yourself the joy is in watching someone with whom you have a relationship do something and, and achieve something for example you met carly and you got to know her a little bit, and you developed a relationship, albeit a very young relationship. You only knew each other mm-hmm. a short time, but you you had so such joy in watching her succeed at that film festival. 
whereas probably your mom, perfectly capable and um, skilled writer in her own right, as a mom, this is something you see with moms a lot, moms that are the mommy type, they Mm -hmm. love to watch their little chicks go on and, and flourish. So she finds great satisfaction in watching you and Monty write books and helping them along and then see you guys succeed. So I totally get where she's coming from because I could, I have no desire to ever write a book, but I, I would feel that joy when, if somebody I helped did, I get that. Yeah. I totally get that. Very nice. That's a nice way to look at it. Uh, I I remember mom talking dreamily about authors like Pearl Buck um, when she was uh, in school and and that she encouraged me to read a lot of books that you know were all, from all different walks of life and of course you know and when I went through high school in the seventies it was all about like Clockwork Orange and some really dark things <laughs> yes, right yes, oh, yes. it was like give me a horse book please you know please. so you yeah you bury yourself in Nancy Drews and then you know Thelwells which are those funny little <gasps> oh, horses Thelwell. with you know leg at each corner you know. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Thelwell, the best. Well, see, now Thelwell, today's Thelwell is Fergus. Fergus. He's the Thelwell for the modern age. So true. Oh, and yeah. And Janine, Jean's a great author. She's she is hilarious. Oh, I know it's Fergus. It's Fergus, but she Fergus yeah, she's awesome. a clever girl. We actually have we've interviewed Jean here Abernathy on on Horsemanship Radio, and people can go to that episode. Um, she's a clever clever lady. I'm always trying to get her to do some sort of animation so we get to hear what Fergus sounds like. But she's pretty insistent that that would ruin the whole deal. <laughs> you know, so probably so. But what I loved about um, we also have an interview today with Monty, Dad, and and it was it was a great different kind of way we did it today. And what I thought he gave us, see if you think I'm wrong, was a roadmap where we can aim for. And so, switching gears a little bit from the ethereal a novel to a concrete element, you know, I I, I sit there and listen to him say how to train a horse. And I think, yeah, it sounds easy when you say it, you know, it's really (laughs) right. You know, even I recognize, you know, that, oh man, he does that so well. And the timing is so good, but you know what encouraged me? And I want people to listen to the interview through these, these, this lens is that, you know how, when you're learning something, you can go wrong in so many different ways with a horse, right? You can, you can head in that direction and go, oh, that's not working. And, or you can head in that direction. That's not working. And I mean, I was even reading some books this morning and I thought, Ooh, that person's kind of on the right track, but there's one element I know they're missing, you know, in training a horse that if they just understood that it would be, and that's actually what I think what dad's doing a really good job. Monty Roberts is doing a really good job with is he's got the roadmap. Now, all we have to do is get the timing really right. We have to, you know, just develop, we have to put a lot of wet saddle pads blankets, you know, back in the tech room, right? <laughs> well, practice, we practice, practice, yeah. Practice, practice, practice. Yeah. I, and, and, but at least we're not taking roads that are, you know, going right. to take us down. Right. How much time can you waste, you know, going right. the wrong way? Right. The, um, a while back I did a little post on my Horse Tip Daily Facebook page. Horse Tip Daily is a little podcast I do. Um, this has good. little practical tips yeah. on it. So if you want to go look at it and listen to it, it's over on horseradionetwork.com. And I, do, and I do a lot of posts on the Facebook page in addition to posting the, the audio shows on there. Mm-hmm. And I forget what inspired me to put it down. 
Um, but today's show, I think, exemplifies that balance that we have to have, not only as equestrians, but I think to be a, a well-rounded and contented human being, is you have to have a balance of inspiration and hard work. The hard work's going to get you down. If all you ever do is work, 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 and grind yourself into the ground, both you and your horse are going to become sour and dull and uninspired. If all you ever get is inspiration, um, you go yeah. and watch Monty's demonstrations or you attend the Olympics and watch the equestrian events, you feel inspired, but you're not going to succeed in anything because you still need the physical, actual practice. So you need to have a little bit of each. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think today's conversations between the two of them, we're going to find two people who um, not only do that, but also encourage others to do that as well. That's nice. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Really good. So let's get to it. Uh, right after this from IFA.com, we're going to have a chat with our first guest. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate. He's a sugar bear. <laughs> You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an index fund advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. 3133. Just named as Horse and Hounds Magazine Top 50 of All Time Greatest Horsemen, Monty Roberts is the creator of the world renowned and revolutionary equine training technique called Join Up. Monty travels the world demonstrating that nonviolent, gentle training creates breakthrough performance as you partner with your horse. Monty grew up on a working farm as a firsthand witness to traditional, often violent, methods of horse training and breaking the spirit with an abusive hand. Rejecting that, he went on to win nine world's championships in the show ring. Today, Monty's goal is to share his message that violence is never the answer. Monty is credited with launching the first of its kind, Equus Online University, an interactive online lesson site that is the definitive learning tool for violence-free training. Well, welcome back, Dad. Monty Roberts, how are you? I'm good. good. I'm ready to talk to you. I know. You know what? Um, we had planned this little episode here a while back, and I'm really excited to talk to you about a specific um, subject because we have some people writing in, and it seems to be a problem. But before that, I just wanted to say officially on the air because last when, when when we were last recording, it was actually the day of January 12th, 2017, and unbeknownst to both of us, you had just been named as one of the Horse and Hound Magazine's top 50 all-time greatest horsemen ever. Can you believe it? Yes. Actually, I always knew it, but 
<laughs> you know, you, you drum it for a long time and you just yeah, yeah. don't know if you're being recognized. You know, that's fine. And the people close to me, I've talked to several people that said, oh my goodness, the top 50, I know you're the number one. And uh-huh. and yeah, that's that's all well and good. But let, let's let's look at this from a realistic standpoint, you know. Uh, 28 years ago, 1989, when I visited uh, Windsor Castle for the first time, the critics were everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, uh, you know, I was changing the world of how we deal with horses and their behavior mm-hmm. by 180 degrees, absolutely mm-hmm. reversing the whole thing, standing it on its head. Mm-hmm. And uh, people couldn't take it. But it has come almost full circle now. There's still critics out there, and they are my best friends because they keep me working really hard to get it right. Mm -hmm. But I am walking on air right now because one thing is, if you ever asked me throughout my career, would you ever be named one of the top 50 horsemen of all time, I would tell you that you're delusional. And uh, it just couldn't happen. And it couldn't happen, but it did happen. Mm. And by an august group of people that have been in business for 140 years or something like that, and the last magazine to ever be on a weekly basis, have gotten their people together and made this vote. Sure, there will be people that disagree and others should be on it and some should be off. Probably my name among the off list. That's okay. I'm named. And it is ecstatic that I feel the way I do for being named. And then, you know, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II was also named one of the top 50 horsemen of all time. And somebody's going to say, what? The Queen of England? What did she ever win? How many six-foot fences did she ever jump? Or something Mm -hmm. like this, you know? Mm -hmm. But I happen to know that this lady's influence Mm -hmm. for good, for horses, is absolutely unequaled by anybody. The influence factor of the Queen of England and her love for horses is over the moon. And people should recognize that. And Horse and Hound magazine did recognize it. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you'd have to ask yourself is, hey, Monty, um, if you'd never met the Queen, what do you think your chances of being named one of the top 50 horsemen of all time would be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it wouldn't be a million to one. It wouldn't be a billion to one. <laughs> it would be a trillion to one mm-hmm. that anybody would ever name me one of the top 50 horsemen of all time if the Queen's influence hadn't been behind what it took to get me around the world and to bring my work mm-hmm. to the number of people that I have. 3.6 million people have seen me in person in my demonstrations. Right. That wouldn't happen, Debbie. Right. And um, so if the queen did nothing else but use me as a pawn, if you will, to push me out there and have my concepts uh, invade the world in such a way that violence has become far less prominent in the 
training of horses than it ever was mm-hmm. before 1989. Um, if only I could let the world know what I saw in my lifetime called horsemanship. Mm. Um, it, it's dreadful. And now the very people that perpetrated that are starting to say, you know, I think we were wrong. And, and, and so not everybody's changed and there's still some things going on that you would like to see changed. And that's what we're here for. And I will never outlive violence toward horses, but I'll change it. And it has changed. So I'm walking on air. Yeah. Well, you have changed it. I, I mean, I see people on this list that you've worked with. I don't know how many people have worked with each other. On this list, I see Adolfo Cambiasso in the polo world. Uh, the Queen is one that you've mentioned. Um, who else on this list have you worked with? Um, Lester Piggott. Lester Piggott, that's true. Uh, and, I think- um, go, go ahead. Let me let me think. Sir, sir um, uh, what's his name from, We've got- from England, the trainer? Mm-hmm. Sir Anthony McCoy you've got on here. Hey, did you ever... Did you ever work with Carl Hester? I think you're working on working with Carl Hester. We're working right? on working with Carl Hester, but mm-hmm. Carl Hester, uh, his his uh, fellow that does the young horses and starts them, all uses join up and talks about it. Um, so right. Carl Hester has worked with me uh, through my books and and things like that. Mm-hmm. Henry I see Cecil, Hessel. Sir yep. Henry Cecil. Cecil Thank you. Uh, uh, was named one of the top fifty, and this guy, uh, well, he trained Frankel. And so many champions, one mm-hmm. after another, on Warren Hill outside Newmarket in England. And his father-in-law, Sir Noel Merlis, I worked with him and lived with him there uh, in 1954, Debbie, 54. Mm-hmm. And way, way back, you know. And so, um, yeah, I, I mean, the Queen and I are the only ones on that list that are currently working together. Ah, Okay. Um, yeah, but, but it's synergistic. Um, the people that you see named in the European area have all been touched by our concepts one way or another. Oh, they Carlos might Garcia. even have been touched with them to the extent that they don't want to have anything to do with them. But they've at least been given the opportunity to have a look. That's what the Queen has done. Yes, exactly. I see Carlos Grisida on here, too, um, which is wonderful because yeah. that's posthumously. Um, yeah. And I, I love how they described everybody. I hope everybody gets a, a chance to get a hold of the magazine, not just because I love the photo on the front of you. But it's a great photo. I mean, imagine Horse and Hound, iconic English magazine. And you, there you are with a naked horse. I mean, he has... He's a Mustang, first of all. The only thing he's wearing is when you is said a freezer. American you had me worried Mustang. there for a minute, Debbie. When you said naked, I'm sorry, I'm going, holy cow! You had me worried there for a second when you said, oh, naked. I'm <laughs> like, oh, okay, naked horse. Naked Monty's horse. not naked. No, it's a naked horse. He's only wearing a freeze brand. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, no, it's a beautiful it, photo. It's yeah, chief. It's chief. He's an American Mustang, and uh, uh, he's here on the farm still, looking for an adopter, really, but. Um, He's he's a wonderful big one. He's about sixteen hands, um, so I think he would be a world champion Mustang jumping horse <laughs> adventure maybe. Yeah, 
He could be. Yeah. I'd love to see him in dressage. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. He's a beautiful horse. Yeah. And didn't he didn't he get over a six foot fence uh, while you were? He did. Uh, gentle- he yep. did. He jumped a six foot fence, and I said, "Look at this. We've got the world champion Mustang jumper." You sure do. <laughs> Holy cow! He, he wasn't supposed. <laughs> he wasn't supposed to jump the six foot fence. That's how we no, knew it. No, no, no. We didn't plan it that way. No, we didn't plan it that way. Well, anyway, I'm proud of you. I mean, who's your daddy? That's him right there, and uh, we're real excited to have that um, as another tick the box. Um, we wouldn't well, it, wouldn't have had that on know, our list. For those people listening that have never had such an opportunity to be named in some august position like this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, get yourself ready if you ever do. Keep working and you might, you know. But um, I started with nothing um, but a love for horses and horses all around me. And you can do it, too. I want to be inspirational now. And um, my next book, I'm doing another autobiography because more has happened since my first one than happened before it. So I'm doing it, and it wants to be inspirational. I want want to show people. But when when you are given some tremendous gift like this, naming me uh, this way, uh, you will feel humility like you've never felt before. Because you will ask yourself, why didn't I start earlier? Why didn't I work harder? Look what I might have done if I'd have really known it was going to happen this well. Um, uh, that's the kind of thing I feel now. Not, you know, I'm not spiking the ball, man. There's a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not calling myself a genius at this stage. What I am calling myself is a hardworking person that has achieved some things. But there's a lot more work to do. And if I could leave the next generation with the baton to take it on, I'm going to be one happy soul. Well, you've inspired a lot of people to do just that. And I know that that's why I can look at a list like that and think about how those others inspired people and how you've inspired people. So I I know that works. I know that holding people up that have done good by uh, either an organization, good by a discipline or an industry – always work. So thank you for encouraging that. I think that there's a lot yeah, of people and, and, and the, out your there listeners, who can. Your mm-hmm. listeners may not know that your mother is my first wife. Yes, she is. And, uh, <laughs> and, and we've been married 61 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is my first wife and the only one. Right. Uh, <laughs> so 61 years and she is a world-class sculptress and really does a fantastic job. She doesn't even know how good she is. But um, recently, I came up with an idea for her that uh, is allowing people to watch her build a sculpture by yeah. once a week. Once a week, do a little clip, a video clip of how this horse is born and grows. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people are chiming in, and it's, it's wonderful, I think. And yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We're putting it up on Facebook. Get, and then anybody that gets that sculpture is going to get a DVD of the growth of that sculpture. Won't oh. that be fun? Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. I didn't even hear about that part of it. That's a yeah. new idea. Okay, good. Yeah, no, it is really fun to watch you guys. Uh, you know, you guys are pretty cheeky back and forth, by the way, <laughs> on your little videos that you make. But it is well, fun. We're putting, sometimes putting them on Facebook. We'll have to put it on the that, website. 
Sometimes she does things that throw me like I think this horse's ears are too long right now. And we're waiting for the people to chime in and give their opinion. But she doesn't like to measure things, you know. She just likes it to be from her eyes, you know, and just a feel for it. And I, I try this clay and it doesn't go anywhere I put it. No, I know. It just doesn't <laughs> I, I got, work. I think I got your DNA from that side of it. Yeah. Either that or it skips yeah. a generation. I'm not sure which, but it's, it's yeah. not happening in my hands. But anyway, to our subject of the day, and we want to give people some, uh, some tips here. It's mostly because I went to you and I asked that I, I'm getting a lot of letters from people. So help me out with this. I'm hearing adjectives in these emails and in people calling us saying, uh, my horse is lazy. My horse is stubborn. Uh, you know, how do you help a person with, with their horse? Well, I was just working with a colt this morning that um, it needs um, the giddy-up rope. And the giddy-up rope is my answer to it. And the giddy-up rope has its roots way back in Spain where they uh, created this thing called a romal. Mm -hmm. The romal is a part of the reins that goes on down, and it's actually a whip. But it's a limber whip of braided rawhide. And uh, you don't just strike it like you would a whip on the side of the horse, but you flick it across in front of yourself, and it crosses the body of the horse and then comes down on the left side and then the right side and so forth and so on. And the Romal used to be a required piece of equipment, no longer, and they don't allow it to be used in the ring, which is a good thing, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the horse that doesn't want to go forward is often encouraged to go forward and want to by the act of, I think it's kind of a predatorial act, when something flicks across your back and touches you on one side and then flicks across your back and touches you on another side. So... In order to build one, way back in the early 50s, I started braiding these things we called a whip-wop. And my son later said, don't have the word whip involved in it because mm -hmm. you can't cause pain with it. And what you do is you buy a length of rope about a meter long or three feet long, and you braid it. Into you take it apart, a cotton rope, and you take it apart. It's about uh, three quarters or seven eighths inch cotton rope that you take apart, and then you rebraid it by loosening the yarn of the cotton mm -hmm. into a looser braid than it is when it's in a rope. Which, if you hit them with a rope, it could hurt. But you Solid. braid it into a soft, nerfy like mm -hmm. thing. And then it doesn't cause any pain at all. You can slam it on your leg and it doesn't cause any pain. We, we braid them up uh, with a loop in it so that you can put it around your wrist. And then mm -hmm. you can just flick it across. And on the end of it, there's a tassel. Um, and we actually sell them here. And I asked uh, Adam this morning because of this interview, I asked him, how much do we charge for them? And he says, we charge $20. And it costs 4 or $5 to buy the rope, and then it takes two or three hours, really, to braid them uh, braid them up and do them properly where you tie the thing off and stuff. So $20 is, is only about a break even when you figure the, the time involved okay. in them. Uh, so but you can make one. You can buy a, a meter or three feet of cotton rope and make one yourself by taking the rope all apart and then braiding it back together with a handhold on one end and a tassel 
on the other end. And we, we actually tie it off so that it becomes a tassel-like thing that's really soft. And like I say, you can, you can fling it in the air and bang it on your leg and you feel that it's just puffy and it doesn't uh, cause okay. any pain at all. And it's so, not pain that makes the horse go forward. That all right. Stops there horse. we go. That's what I was trying to get to the lazy and stubborn part. Yeah. So, so well, the it's... lazy, stubborn horse that doesn't want to go forward will suddenly liven when you use the giddy up rope properly, flicking it across. And on the online university, you have Walter won't go. That's one of the segments on there. Okay. And I show it's a very, uh, I think, uh, demonstrative way to show the giddy up rope. Walter wouldn't go anywhere near uh, an arena. If he saw a gate and, and a place where you might put him to work, I think <laughs> uh, he's been abused in, in an arena. Uh, and he, he wouldn't go near the place. And, and I show where he just freezes up and stops. And then in 20 minutes, bingity, bingity, bing, I could canter him into the arena. Yeah. Now, naturally, I didn't hurt him when he was in the arena. So he began to see that the arena doesn't have to be a place of torture. Mm-hmm. And uh, the giddy-up rope goes way back. Its its roots are way back, but it's painless. It it is moved through the centuries to become non-violent, to become totally painless. And I uh, I recommend it highly. If you put a pair of blinkers on, if people know what blinkers are, they're kind of uh, blinder blinkers i don't know they can't see uh, they have them on driving horses and mm-hmm. and they have them on some race horses mm-hmm. if you put those on and he just sees it flicking across just a little glimpse of it it still causes them to go forward which you'll see with walter won't go on the online right. university yeah it's so a really it's a, it's a tremendous that. piece of equipment for people that have a lazy or otherwise horse that balks mm-hmm. or with in parts of the world they call it napping um a horse that won't go forward Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, one of the things I was, I was going at is, do you really think this horse is lazy and stubborn or is it afraid? And I guess you just answered that with Walter won't go forward. He had some reason to believe that that was a bad thing to go into the arena. I get this a lot though, trouble crossing water. And I get, I get why horses uh, are afraid of, you know, how deep is that water? I don't like that. You know, I, why do I need to go across water? I get the question, but so tell me about the timing as you're, you're going up to the water. You want to train this horse, or you need to get across the water. You've got a giddy-up rope then, I guess, is your only piece of equipment. Do you get off and walk across? Do you stay? What What do you do? Well, first of all, I would like everybody that has a horse that won't cross water to find a friend that has a horse that will cross water mm. and cause it to be the lead horse going through. And don't, don't lead a horse through water because you're going to get jumped on while... <laughs> You're in the water, yeah. and that's not fun. But if you ride next to another horse and cause a another horse to be um, bait, if you will, or a friend that uh, shows them that the water is okay to cross, that's being fair with the horse, and they're much more apt to do it. Now, when you get there and the horse says, no, let that guy go through, but I'm not going, <laughs> this is not me. And then you can use the giddy-up rope, flick, 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 and it encourages them to go across big time. It really works. And um, so he ain't going to go get a giddy-up rope and okay. you get him to go. And I'm hearing two reasons why. I 
think? Um, I'm hearing peripheral vision behind him. So he says, whoa, that motivates me to go forward. Yeah. But I also, am I hearing slap, slap on your, on your leg or on the fender or the, am I, is it an auditory thing? When when this rope comes down on the horse, it doesn't have to even hit the horse. You can, if you have a big Western saddle on, you can just bring it down on the skirts of the Western saddle. Flick, flick you know, or you can bring it down on your own leg. If it does go down and strike the horse behind your leg uh, on the rib cage there, it's not going to cause him any pain. Right. He may think it's going to be painful when it's headed that direction, but it isn't painful. And so he doesn't resist it. If you sting him with a whip, eventually he'll kick back Mm -hmm. and he'll say, you're a terrible person and I don't like you and I'm stopping right here and I'll kick and they just make it worse with these blinking whips that cause pain. Um, it's the same when you're trying to load them in the trailer or or anything else. Um, if you cause them pain, you're going to get a fight and you should. Yeah. Horses have a right to defend themselves. Exactly. And they think backwards when you've got pain in, in behind their ears. Sure. They're instead of the forward. Right, where you want yeah. them to go. I wish I wish the people that are listening could have seen me this morning with my f- family group of deer. And I've been proving to myself that you, you can't herd deer, you know. You try to push the herd, and I get 20 and 30 in this family group out here, and I say, I'm going to push them up to that end of the lawn. Okay. I guarantee you that they will be behind you yeah. <laughs> on the where you left from so quick it's it's not to be believed and they don't particularly want to go behind you but they will go into the pressure that you're trying to apply to them to herd them away now you can herd horses pretty well and cattle pretty well sheep can be herded very well deer no they say i'm into pressure 100 times greater than the horse is Mm-hmm. And horses are into pressure too, and they will circle back and try to get back where you didn't want them to be because, I don't know, it's into pressure to fight off the predator. Um, they don't just flee from a predator. They will fight the predator and then flee. So into pressure is a big part of it, and um, you probably will have one later about my uh, pusher uh, pipe that I have that's padded um, to cause horses not to go into the pressure of the rails in the starting stalls in racing. Um, and the same thing causes a horse to fight the sides of a trailer uh, when they go uh, into the trailer and, and almost fall over with their feet going up the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all into pressure. The phenomenon of into pressure, we will go away from pressure, a human being. Horses will go into pressure. Uh, until you teach them to move like off your leg, for instance. You put your leg on first and they'll go into the leg and you'll teach them to move off the leg by releasing the pressure when they move away. Uh-huh. So um, the, the giddy-up rope sends them, it herds them better than any other factor you can think of. Okay, so here I'll leave you with this question too. This is This is all the time I'll take from you, but... What I'm thinking about, you're telling me when you come off the pressure and you're telling me when you flick the giddy-up rope, 
how can a person improve their timing? Because what you do, your timing is so impeccable that I think it's almost not duplicatable. But I know we can strive for it. So talk to the person who wants to improve their timing. Yeah, it, it is, it is uh, duplicatable because I am only human. But I have lived with horses so long that I'm more horse than human now. And so I naturally do things from muscle memory um, Mm -hmm. that I don't even know I do. And people will say, why did you do this? I didn't do that. Yes, you did. And I see it on videos nowadays. Um, And I, and I did it and then I'll, I'll see the reason why I did it. And I didn't even know I was doing it. So I'm not a very good teacher in that regard, but um, you can learn it. And one of the ways, you know, view, what is it now? Uh, how many lessons have you got on the online oh, university? Over 430. Mm-hmm. Over 430 lessons. View all of those and look at them two or three times each. And you will, you will instill in your muscle memory the things that I'm doing, even <laughs> if you don't want to. It'll, it'll happen when you're working with your horse and you'll find yourself doing it through muscle memory. So um, learn, get an education, work with the horses, let the horses be your professor as well, and you will learn these things too. Um, It took me a long time to learn them, but I can help people learn them a lot faster now. I didn't have an online university to look at when I was (laughs) the age of your listeners here. So um, I had to go through trial and error on everything I wanted to do. And that is superseded now by good educational opportunities, books, DVDs, online universities, uh, courses in in my schools. Um, it's all available to them now. Okay. Yeah, it is. And it's wonderful. And you are so generous in sharing all your information. I really appreciate it. So I'll let you go back to your horses and your deer right now. I thank you for your time, Dad. Yeah. Thank you for calling me. And. Um, just remember that the only thing I have left in life is to leave it to the next generation. So it's not generosity. It's a need for me to feel like I've helped others um, in the name of good horsemanship. Well, thank you very much. Well, that was great, Jen. You know, that's, as we said to the listeners, they were going to have a little bit of a uh, tutorial there, a little, a little bit takeaway. of a tip. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and um, and I and I like the I've used the giddy up rope for years, and you know I like that just a little bit of encouragement. I actually slap my leg. Um, some people do slap the fender of the things, but um, you know it does look a little bit like it might be a scary non or you know non Monty Roberts violent method or something, but um, but it is very soft. I mean, you can slap your leg and it doesn't hurt, but. Um, you know, anything that encourages forward movement, that's what it is. It's that's what we're going for. And I'm a, I'm a very visual person. Um, everything I do somehow has to be some kind of a movie inside my head. And I've always <laughs> been that way, but I've only just recently realized that I'm that way. So yeah. as he was describing how to make a giddy-up rope, which appealed to me because I'm, I'm an incurable DIYer. <laughs> yeah, you make like, those. I want to run yeah. right out and get myself some cotton rope. I was trying to come up with a way of how can I envision using this and and making it and and making it useful in my toolbox because i've grown up with the use a whip you have a whip for show jumping you have a whip for your dressage it's a whip and i envision whip and it has a certain emotional as well as physical uh 
yeah. memory. And what popped into my head as he was describing how to create your very own giddy up rope was those little tiny dense pom poms that the cheerleaders use now, the little teeny ones <laughs> with the little shiny bits in them. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out, Nigel. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going, oh, and you know, I wonder if I could find cotton rope that had little bits of shiny stuff in it. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Shiny things. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. that be awesome? You know what? You know what? See, this is how we innovate. This is how we evolve. It's okay. I think it's a great idea. Why don't you try it? Sparkly giddy up rope. Report. You, you know what? Monty says, my idea is right for me today. But if you show me a better idea, it'll be my idea tomorrow. There so, you know, he gives you credit, though. He always gives credit. No, I think it's a great idea. Why not? Why not? Why not? So a uh, little pom-pom. And, and it for me, it, it creates a a sense of encouragement versus punishment. Exactly. Which yeah. is what we're really going for. And horses that are flight animals, they don't need much encouragement. I think we overestimate, you know, just their reactionary, their flight mechanism that, that they are a prey animal and that's instinctual. So even if it's just refocusing them, you know, like, whoop, whoop, what was that? You know, really, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, it, it's not, a, I mean, pain makes them think backwards. Like I was saying, it makes them think backwards. It makes them resent eventually. They it makes them, resent. you know, resent paranoid, yep. you know, right. And, uh, so, you know, anything that encourages, you got to try it. You got to try it. If it doesn't cause pain. That's Monty's bottom line. It, yes. Draw a line in the sand at pain. If it doesn't cause pain, it's game. <laughs> I, I, I can see it now. The, the Facebook posts over on Monty Roberts' Facebook page of the custom homemade giddy up ropes of every imaginable description of colors and sparkles and shinies and because you can color coordinate them. What, what do horse people like better? Right. That's right. That's right. Oh yeah, that's true. Right. We're going to have the neons. We're going to have the, you know, Mm -hmm. Western bling bling. Yeah. I can see this. There we go. You and I, that's what we got to start that. There we go. And speaking of things that girls love, um, we've got another guest coming up uh, right after this from Omega Fields who uh, has something that every horse girl in the world is going to love. We all hear about omega-3 and how important it is for your horse's nutrition. But why? Well, simply put, horses were created to get all of their nutrition from live natural grasses. Omega-3 is an essential fat found in many types of live grasses, and it's critical to the horse's health. If they were living on live grasses 24-7, they would be receiving enough omega-3. But in today's world, most horses are fed commercial feed and forage as their primary nutrition, and most of these are lacking in omega-3. That's where Omega Fields comes in. All of Omega Fields' flax-based products provide a balanced essential profile of Omega-369 and may be helpful in alleviating problems related to skin, coat, hoof, joint, and sand colic. One of Omega Fields' terrific products is Omega Horse Shine. Omega Horse Shine is an Omega-3 stabilized ground flaxseed supplement for horses to help maintain a shiny, healthy coat, strong, solid hooves, and top performance for horses in all life stages. Omega Fields provides the best human-grade, non-GMO ground flax that can help horses with dry, scaly, itchy skin, joint pain and inflammation, poor hoof growth, allergies, and more. Don't just listen to Debbie and I. Alexandra, a customer of Omega Field, says any horse I ever own, I will feed them Omega Horse Shine and I will recommend it to anyone. You can get your Omega Horse Shine today at omegafields.com 
or just for our listeners, get 15% off using the coupon code MONTY2015. All one word, it's MONTY2015 for 15% off your next order at OmegaFields.com. That's OmegaFields.com. Carly Cade is the author and winner of the Equus Film Festival 2016 Winnie Award in the Best Western Fiction category for her book. It's a novel called In the Rains, and the award was presented in New York City on Sunday, November 20th, and at the fourth annual Equus Film Festival. Carly's an Arizona-based equestrian author. She writes fiction about horses, horse shows, Western pleasure, and a handsome cowboy or two. Welcome, Carly Cade. Thanks for coming on Horsemanship Radio. Thanks so much for having me, Debbie. I'm so happy to be here today. And it's good to talk to you again, too. My goodness, it was November 20th, I think, last we met at the Equus Film Festival, right? That's right. I loved being your neighbor in the uh, Expo Hall while we were both showcasing our books. You were so cute. It was so fun to have you there. Of course, I got there like two hours early because I was just so giddy and ready to to get all set up. And then I looked around, it was like, it was only like worker bees around there and there wasn't anybody to talk to. And you were like one of the first faces that showed up to help set up tables and everything. So it was really nice to meet you. And it was my first film festival like that too. Is it yours? It was my first festival. I was you know so honored to be in the company of great authors and awesome equestrian filmmakers and just take in all of the action that was going on and being a part of the conversation. It was an amazing experience. And your bright, shiny face was one of the first people I met as well. And you made me feel comfortable and we had great conversation about our love of horses. So it was terrific. Really great. Uh, It was really fun. Thank you for that. That was very nice of you. But um, the first thing I always like to ask people too is, um, do you have a horse? And you were telling me about your horse. So tell tell the listeners a little bit about your registered paint too, because we want to know you're a horse person before we talk about what you're going to write about. Absolutely. So I am a horse owner and my horse, Sissy, was actually the inspiration for the lead horse character in my book, In the Reins, named Faith. And um, she is actually a star in and of herself because she accompanies me on a lot of my author photo shoots and she's the star of my promotional videos that I make for the the book on my YouTube channel. So it's really lucky that I have a horse to work with as I'm, you know, working to promote my book myself with my marketing tools because she gets to stand in as faith and people get to get to get to know her a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And she looks so dreamy, just like I picture faith in the book your faith. Um, she's just, you know, she doe eyes for me. I mean, she might not be that way. Don't ruin it for me, but <laughs> she, oh, she, she looks really she's definitely a lover. She, her registered name is I'm going to kiss you. And it couldn't be closer to the truth. Oh. This horse gives hugs. She gives kisses. She's always looking to, you know, the, the women out at the barn where I keep her to give her carrots and love. So she's a total lover. Yeah. I'm so lucky. Do you compete on her too? I don't remember that. I do. My specialty is Western pleasure. And, um, you know, we compete in showmanship and horsemanship classes. And um, I just recently relocated to Arizona. So I am checking out all of the amazing opportunity out here for equestrians. And luckily, I'm right down the street from the venue called Westworld, which is amazing. And I'm from the north. So what's so exciting about living in Arizona is that year round, there's 
horsey activities to participate in. So I get to show pretty much year round, except for the super duper hot months. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You are a little closed down in July and August, I hope. Anyway, where did you move from, Carly? <clears throat> so my journey has been interesting. I've lived in the north, the east, the south, and now the west. I grew uh-huh. up in Michigan and um, you know, had childhood horse there. And then I moved to New York City uh, after I finished school. And I actually took a job with Universal Music and Sony Music as an artist development representative. So I basically marketed rock stars. And yeah. sadly, had to um, sell my childhood horse. But then I was promoted back to Michigan, where I found Sissy, and I became a horse owner again. And then I met my husband, whom I've turned into a cowboy. <laughs> and he took a promotion down to Texas. So I went with him with the horse in tow. And we lived there for several years and just recently um, relocated again to Arizona for work brought the horse with us again, and here I am. So I've had a chance to experience a lot of different places. Yeah, you just basically have Hawaii and Alaska left. That's, that's <laughs> it. Uh, I was wondering, because was she trained in Western Pleasure, or did, did you train her? So um, this, is, this is actually a great conversation, because this is uh, part of what helped me you know, work on and write in the reins was my experience training Sissy myself. I got her as a three-year-old. She was broke, but um, didn't know, you know, a whole lot past that. So I had the privilege of working with a really wonderful horse trainer who, um, rather than doing the training for me, kind of coached me through how to how to do the work myself. Hmm. So in that process, I was able to teach Sissy to perform her gates through spur training. So I can basically ride her bridalist. And um, now she's a complete show horse. And it was a lot of work and a lot of struggle and a lot of figuring out what I was doing in the process, but I had a great coach and today she's like my dream horse. She's everything I ever wanted. Yeah. And, and that sounds a lot like faith in the book too, because, and when you say spur training, now, you know, I, I've heard of whip training and spur training, but I think you mean an off pressure where it's uh, you're using your legs and, and not, Oh, what's the name of the book in the reins. It's not in that's the reins. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's- so, so Sissy does, she works off of my feet in very light cues from the spurs. So it makes it look effortless when you're sitting in the saddle and you don't have to use the reins. Right. Yeah. So no pain involved, which is what I like. I, I hear a thread in your novel. We're not going to give anything away. There's not going to be any uh, stealing here, but uh, I hear a thread of of the new way to really get into starting horses. I mean, she's already started, but that her training started in a way that was very peaceful and cooperative, which I love about the book. So, you know, I listen for those things. And, and I think you're taking up a lot of the natural horsemanship tendencies to use their natural instincts. Am I reading correctly into the book for that? That is absolutely correct. Um, the, the pages of the book are filled with a conversation about, the human horse connection and the special bond, especially between the leading woman, Devin Brooke and her horse faith. And as she explores, you know, that natural way of training and working with the horse's intuition and um, being partners, as opposed to, um, you know, making it a challenge for the horse to learn how to be trained. So um, it's an exploration through the eyes of Devin Brooke as she's learning. And then she has this mentor um, and also a love interest, McKenna Kelly, a horse whisperer type, if you will, but, you know, just has a different way of listening to horses. And she learns through his eyes how to train her new paint mare. So um, it's it's really lovely. One of my favorite quotes from the book, actually, it comes from McKen and Kelly as he's speaking to Devin Brooke. And he says, any re- real beautiful thing in this world 
shouldn't be tamed or claimed or broken. It should be allowed to be with, worked with, not against, and appreciated. So he says to her, you know, don't be afraid of the wild she has left. It's what makes her special. Because Devin has a few Bridget Jones moments, if you will, where you know, she has <laughs> some blunders along the way as she's learning what she's doing. Um, and, you know, she's learning to listen to her horse. And sometimes she doesn't do that so well. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't hurt that McKinnon Kelly, the, the uh, wonderful cowboy that's the uh, guy that she's after eventually, is, you know, dark haired with clear blue eyes it doesn't hurt that you know he looks pretty attractive in there too when he's saying these wonderful things about horses there's a, a horse girl in there just happy to hear it all and and i one of my favorite lines is protect the animal spirit and and i think it, you know if if i had a little w- a wish list and i got to be queen i would take the word breaking out of our lexicon you know the the vocabulary word breaking in horses has been too long amalgamated and and i think we're getting there it's just like it's like a little old holdover you know because i don't i don't picture you being an advocate of breaking a horse after reading this at all. Oh, absolutely. I I couldn't agree with you more. I think removing breaking from the terminology and any aspect to the horse is, is the right way to go. Absolutely. And one of my favorite parts about the story is that the, is it Briarwood farm? Is that what? Greenbrier. Greenbrier farm. That's it. Thank you. Uh, Is that it's a peaceful place and there doesn't seem to be the typical, um, drama of an equestrian center, right? You know, cause there's always people like probably shouldn't have a horse and all. Everybody seems to be an advocate for horses. I, I like that about that. that. That's right. When I was creating the book, it was important to me to, um, make the horses as much a part of the story, even, even more so, or just as big of a deal as the leading characters and Greenbrier farm is, uh, the serene, perfect environment for, um, for my leading character, Devin Brooke, to learn about her horse. There isn't a whole lot of commotion and um, it's a, you know, really peaceful place for her to train and grow and experience the connection. And um, as I'm writing the sequel, it's, it's very interesting. Ah, Going a little bit in depth about the history of Greenbrier and how all these horse lovers ended up coming together. So we, we go into the past of, Sophia Matilda Washington Clark, who is the Greenbrier farm owner, we learn about where her passion for horses come from and how she wound up owning this big, beautiful horse farm and how McKinnon Kelly came into her life along with J.D. McCall, the other handsome cowboy in the movie who's a bull rider, and, and how all their stories sort of intertwine and the horses that led them all together. So it's, yeah. it's meshing and threading really well the the In the Reins, the book, was sort of a prelude to help readers fall in love with these characters. Mm, and the sequel, which I anticipate will be out this year, really goes into the backstory to learn how these horse lovers came together. Cool. Oh, cool. As having read the book, I this, that's exciting to me. Now, so, you know, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you uh, today, too, uh, without giving away the book then, uh, is, you know, if... 
I think you can encourage a lot of people. There's either people who buy books and just love books and without them, you know, uh, you guys, you authors wouldn't exist. And then there's authors who probably don't even know they have author in them. Um, and, and I'm just, I'm excited to hear what's that process like for you? Cause you seem to be, you know, fairly new into the industry and excited about it. And you've got all these different ideas. Talk to the listener who says, what? I would never write a book, but but not to sell themselves short that they could. Well, it, it's really interesting. I, I actually never set out to be an author. Uh, I've always liked creative writing and I was in, you know, advanced English classes when I was in school and I've, you know, always kept a journal with me. And then one day, you know, McKenna and Kelly came to me like lightning in the form of a poem. And that actually ends up being the oh, opening yeah. page of In the Rains. And from there, this story just sort of kept showing up and showing up and showing up, and it begged me to tell it. And um, and the real joy was in the the creativity for me. You know, I would sit down, and it's almost as if myself would disappear while I was writing this story, oh. and I was just lost in the words. And and as it started becoming a story, you know, I doubted myself. I was like, Can I be an author? I don't have the classical training, and I understand that I I may not, you know be a literary, you know, genius. But what I can say is that um, vision with action can change your world. And I was committed to writing a story for horse lovers. Um, And I think if you love what you're doing, you can be unstoppable. So, so with support of a lot of other dreamers, my editor is amazing. My husband, of course, completely supported this. Believing in me, I actually wrote this book and decidedly, um, on my own, self-published it, did all the marketing for myself. And it's, it's being really well received. I mean, I've been an Amazon bestseller for more than 10 weeks. It just won the best Western fiction award at the Equus Film Festival. My readers, whether they love horses or not, are just really expressing themselves through reviews on Amazon. And it's actually, um, rated at a 4.7. So that's, nearly five oh, star yeah, for the that's really cool yeah very cool i mean I, I i think there is something about horses that spans a, a lot of people that don't even have access to horses which i love about horses right so mm-hmm. you so you're feeding you're feeding those dreamers out there who would just you know want to experience that but don't have that what, what would you say to them do you think it's possible that they can access a horse i mean can you can you build that dream a little bit? Because you were determined to always have a horse in your life, from what I'm hearing. That's right. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, I'm I'm committed. The the quote that I live by, and the words of wisdom that I live by, is a, is a Rumi quote, actually. And it's, let yourself be silently drawn by the strange pull of what you really love. It will not lead you astray. So I, what I would say to people that love horses but don't have any experience with them or um, are thinking about getting started is, if if the love is there, if the pull is there, if you feel it, go and try it on. Maybe volunteer for a horse therapy organization. Oh, Get yeah. your feet wet that way. Um, you know, look look for a place where you can go and be around other beginners who are learning about horsemanship, and and try it on. And and put you know, if there's any fear there, put that to the side and just try it. Because once you have that connectedness with these lovely gentle, kind, beautiful creatures. There's so much to learn about yourself and how you're being in the world from them. Um, It's a gift to be able to, you know, be a human astride a horse. It just is the most wonderful feeling. Mm. And I would recommend trying it on to anyone who's interested in it. 
Yeah, thank you, Carly. That's really nice of you to say. I, I agree with you. And and I and I love how you use your protagonist. You use McKinnon Kelly, the, the cute, sexy cowboy guy. Um, I don't even mm-hmm. know how you define cowboy in it because he seems to be able to do anything. But um, he wins. Well, I can't say it. But um, he <laughs> I almost gave something away. But he. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I didn't say it. I don't think. Um, but he's, he's, he uses the words like deliberate. Um, you know, don't. Oh, here's one thing I loved. When you said or he said, sorry, um, <laughs> McKenna Kelly said, uh, don't tiptoe around your horse, uh, you know, be deliberate with your horse. I love that because horses do perceive us when we tiptoe, we're kind of like skulking around them. And they, they actually take that as like, are you sneaking up on me or what? You know, sometimes people are so careful around their horses that they're not deliberate. They're not black and white. How did you come up with that? Um, you know, I, I think that that is part of my own experience with horses. I've, you know, I've grown up with them. I've been around them since I've been seven years old. I took riding lessons when I was very young and it's just, a, a you know, something that you pick up on, you know, if you're nervous and you, you know, are skittish around them, it kind of generates that, that return energy or reciprocal energy from the horse. So I've noticed, I noticed that a lot in my own working with my own horse, you know, it's like in the beginning, um, you know, so the, the book it's not based on my life, but I used a lot of my life experience to generate um, the different situations that Devin Brooke finds herself in. And one of the first things that I noticed when I came back into the horse world and I, I bought Sissy was that I had, you know, for, I had lost my confidence, right. Around being around a horse. I had forgotten some of the things that you need to do. Like you need to direct their energy. You need to um, be, you know, quote unquote, the alpha and just, uh, generate that sort of respect and be the leader in the relationship. And I had forgotten that. Um, and the, the being deliberate part, you know, at first Sissy would, you know, like look at me and I was really careful not to spook her with anything. And then I started realizing the more I tiptoe around her, the more I'm creating that sort of reaction from her. Right. So I, you know, stopped doing that. And, um, and there's a lesson that Devin le- learns about that in the book as well. So the, the book is actually, it, invo- it really, um, it has a lot of great tips for people um, that, that have horses and are interested in learning a different, different way. And I find that a lot of the fiction I read, I learn something from, even though it's a story. So I would say that I was really deliberate in sharing some of the lessons that I learned through Devin Brooke. And then also I was very careful when I was writing the book too, that it isn't just for horse lovers. You don't have to understand the terminology yeah. of horses to get the gist of this book. Um, non-horse lovers are reading it and liking it just the same and actually reaching out and sharing with me that they're, they learned something and they really saw what it was like to be a horse owner through the pages of the book. And they enjoyed that conversation about the human horse connectedness. So it's, it's a book for everyone, but you know, I, I specifically did write it with horse lovers in mind. Well, that's why it's authentic. It's good. Oh, but it's really sexy too. So, I mean, you know, you don't have to love horses to love, you know, good kiss, good kissing and stuff like that's in there. It's, 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 I wouldn't say it's R rated though. It's G rated, but you know, PG maybe, right? Yeah, that's right. I, you know, it's definitely not, you know, the Fabio type, you know, cowboy yeah. romance books that you find on the shelves at like a CBS or, or something. There's nothing wrong with those books, but I was, I was searching for, you know, the book I wanted to read about my discipline, there aren't, there aren't a whole lot of books about competitive horse showing at breed horse shows. There's a lot of 
jumping books and dressage books, which I enjoy. I read those too. But I, I actually wrote the book that I was looking um, to read. And I like a good romance with a good heavy mixture of horses. And so I, you know, I wrote, I wrote that. <laughs> I wrote well, what I knew. You did it well. You did it really well too. Just like even the smells of the senses that you put in it, the descriptions are really good too. I've never seen so many different adjectives for a cute guy. It's <laughs> 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 really good. And he is. I mean, I, I think I took the best of you know, all, all the men I've ever known and, ah. and all the ones that I wish I did and all the ones that I'd read about and then mixed it up with what I thought, you know, a cowboy that could make the eight on the back of a bull would be like and yeah. you know, kind of created the ideal, you know, perfect cowboy man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I've met your husband, too, and he's really nice, too. He's really cute. So he sure is. Yeah. 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 So he probably helped with that description too. Ha. Um, (laughs) Well, thanks Carly for joining us. I I thought it was really fun to have you on the first time, but I want to, I was so intrigued by your, your, um, what do you put in the back here? The, um, you start us off and you just tease us at the very back is please enjoy a sequel preview. McKinnon and Devin's story continues. And I, I'm dying for the next book. Dying for the next book. Well, I'm so excited to hear that. I am finishing it as we speak. It will be out in 2017. Um, And anyone who is interested in learning a little bit more about um, maybe some sneak peeks or sequel preview can um, bounce over to my website. It's carlycadecreative.com and um, look for updates. Cool. And I want you to come back on then when you, when you're ready to spring this news. Okay. The continuing I would love saga. To. Dun, dun, dun. Oh. As, exactly. Cause we want to hear, you know, I want to hear inside his brain, McKinnon's brain. Cause Devin's brain is, you know, I think that's where you're going to flip it a little. Am I right? That's right. So the, the sequel is being told um, from, from McKinnon's point of view. So you'll get to see inside of his head and, and the workings of what makes him up. And, and like I said before, it, it really goes into the history um, that generated in the rain. So it's sort of like taking a step backwards, if you will, you get to learn what makes him tick um, and his experience of Devin and, and his experience with horses um, that, that led him to be the man that he is and in the rain. So it's, it's really been a fun, a fun thing to write and it's coming differently than in the rains did in the rains. I sort of wrote the end and then started the beginning and went chapter by chapter. This book is taking me all over I follow Sophia and Sophia tells her story and then I, you know, bounce over to JD and JD's got some things to say. And then Devin pops up occasionally and, and shares, you know, her longing, you know, given, given what's going on with McKinnon. And then of course the the main voice is McKinnon and he's, you know, battling some of, some of his demons uh, so he can maybe make his way back to Greenbrier and, and some of the things that he left there. Oh my gosh. It's great. It's oh, just it's a classic, great book. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. So fun. All right. We will have you back then, Carly. So stay tuned. We, uh, we want to hear breaking news and we'll send people to your website and to your Facebook page and have everybody follow along. Thank you, Debbie. I so appreciate the support and thank you for reading my book. And it just, the, the horse, the horse community community has been so amazingly supportive of me and I, I can't be more thankful. It's because of wonderful people like you and the Equus Film Festival and, you know, my readers that have that have made this journey such a dream for me. Happy to to ride along with you. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. 
it doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too, on our forum, and there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in Brazil, March 11th and 12th. We're headed to the Sao Paulo area to a farm outside of Sao Paulo. And then March 18th, and that'll be at Ingleston. That's in the UK, in Scotland. March 25, uh, down south, way down south in Dorchester, Dorset. And there'll be Martin Clunes. Doc Martin is going to be with him. Yeah, he's fun. They'll, you get those two together? Hi, yeah, yeah. Buy the ticket. It's good. And March 31st. April 9th, April 20th, and April 22, he'll be in German. That's March, Germany. <laughs> he'll be in German. March 31st, April 9th, April 20th, and April 22, he'll be off to Germany. And then, uh, you know, looking far ahead in July 10 through 21, we have a gentling wild horse course back on Flag is Up Farms in Solvang, California. Mm-hmm. And then close to after that, yep, we'll have July 31st through August 4 is the iconic Monty special training now we've been doing for years it's a lot of fun we get a lot of lessons out of that there's a lot going on and you can get all of that information and more at montyroberts.com or you can call flag is up farm and speak with a pleasant and helpful human being you just call 805-688-6288 and for details about today's show go to horsemanshipradio.com where we'll have links photos and more information about today's guests And we love your feedback, folks. It helps us make the show better. So join up the fun at Monty Roberts' Facebook Mm -hmm. page. Just search Monty Roberts. Or you can join him on Twitter if you're one of those people who likes to live your life in very short bits. His (laughs) Twitter handle is Monty underscore Roberts. And get the app. That's right. You can have an app for your phone and never miss an episode. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. It's quick, it's free, and it's easy for your Android or Apple phone. Or you can subscribe via iTunes. That's right. And many thanks to our sponsors, IFA.com, Omega Fields, and Equus Online University. Be sure to visit all the other great shows, too. I do. On the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. And until next time, have many happy horse hours.